this morning, chapter number 6. Book of 2 Kings, chapter number 6. The man here made a statement. It's all over walls and Facebook pages, especially after 2020 and 2021. Those years come along and it kind of reminded us why we should depend on God as much as we, we need to. But the, the questions that's brought up here is, is that there is too many people there. There is too much surrounding us. There is too much evil. There is too many people to fight. There is too much going on. There is no way we can win. We're going to begin in verse number 11, 2 Kings chapter number 6. If you would keep your Bibles open this morning, we're going to do a lot of flip-flopping back and forth through the Scripture. Uh, the thought that, that the Lord placed on my heart with this morning is, is that there is more with us than with them. Whom shall I fear? Why am I worried? Why is it, do I sing the song, It is well with my soul, but I don't believe it? 2 Kings chapter number 6, we're going to begin in verse 11. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 11. Therefore the heart of the king's Syria was sore troubled. For this thing he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, O king, uh, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is at, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told unto him, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent, uh, sent he thither horses and chariots and great hosts. They came by night and come past the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, Behold, a host was compassed city about, both horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Man of God here answered and said, Fear not that they be more with us than they that be with them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every opportunity we get to come to your house and to worship you, Lord. We thank you for the wonderful day that you've blessed us with. Lord, we thank you for each and every one that's able to make it out to your house this morning. God, that prioritized in their heart to come this morning and to worship you, to spend time in your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, that we could believe, that we could trust, that we could depend on you even more when we leave than we did when we came. Lord, help us so we could sing and believe that it is well with our soul. Lord, help us to believe and to understand that there is always more with us than with them. Lord, that we, that we don't have anything to fear. As long as we put our faith and trust in you. Lord, most of all, if we be a lost one among us this morning, I pray that this could be the hour to take a turn and accept you as their Savior. That they can believe on Jesus Christ before we everlasting too late. Forgive us when we fail you. Have mercy on the lost. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Here the man walked out of his tent. And he saw everything. He saw everybody in all directions. He saw an overwhelming force. Whenever we look out in this world today, what do we see? We see a lot of people with masks on. We see statistics where everybody is in the hospital. We see posts on Facebook where Baton Rouge Hospital is overflowing. They're sending people to Houston now. We see people dying left and right. We, we see young people catching the virus. We see people all over the world that hate Christians. We see schools starting back. And they don't say the Pledge of Allegiance anymore. Brother Dean mentioned in Sunday school this morning, they don't pray in school anymore either. We see an overwhelming force that we are combating. They're telling churches you can't meet anymore. All over the world we see things that are happening. Things that are working that are working out. And they don't look like they're in favor of me and you. They don't look like they're in favor of the things of God. They don't look like they're in favor of God's will. But God didn't say believe in me and I'll work it all out the way you think it. Right? God didn't say trust in me and I'll... I'll 
I'll fix it, but you'll understand why. God didn't say anything about how we'll understand his plan, how we'll understand his will. God didn't say that. The man walked out and all he saw was the problems all around him. That's all he saw. If we get so focused on the problems we can't see God's solutions, we're in trouble. Man of God told him there's more with us than with them. He, I can see him scratching his head. I just walked out here and I saw an army. All the way around I saw an army. And it's just me and you and I'm not any good with a sword. There used to be a story was told and I don't remember exactly who's told. I think it was Archie Campbell. He said, how many people in this world is working? And he said, there's so many people in this world. This many's in prison. This many works for the states. You know they don't do nothing. This many's underage. This many's old and in the nursing home. This many's retired. And that leaves two people to do all the work. And that's me and you, brother. And I'm tired of doing it myself. I can see that man, uh, the servant of a man of God, being the same way. He said, there's all these people all around us. And they're against me. And you, the man told him, he said, there's more with us than there are with them. And you can see him scratching his head. You can see him wondering how. There's a movie, it's called Facing the Giants. There's another one, We Are Marshall. There's another one, When the Game Stands Tall. It's all about football movies and they're all faith-based movies. But in all the movies, the winning team is the underdog. The winning team don't have enough players or the winning team has young players. Or they lost all their players and they had to start back from scratch. They had a tragedy. It all starts with an underdog. God's people all through time has been the underdog. When Gideon took the soldiers to fight the, to fight the battle, he started out with a several thousand people. And God whittled them down to 300. God said, you don't need an overwhelming army. At no point in time in Israel's history did they have an overwhelming army. They had God. Amen. At this point in time, they had the same thing. Let's read in the next verse. Verse 16, he said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. You think the man walked out there blindfolded? I think he had his eyes open. He could see naturally. That's not what Elijah's talking about. That's not what he's saying. He says, God, open his eyes so he can see spiritually. He walked back outside. Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw him. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. He saw the armies of God that were standing between the enemy and him. He saw the God of heaven standing between the enemy and him. We see the enemy today. We, we see a lot of enemies. We see a lot of problems. We see a lot of issues. We see a lot of troubles. Too many times we don't see the, the chariots of fire. Too many times we don't see the things of God. Why do we miss that? Why do we miss out on seeing the things of God? God said, I'll protect you. And we're going to read a lot of verses. God said, I'll protect you. He said, I'll take care of you. He said, believe on me. The man here, he went out there and he didn't see anything that had to do with God. He didn't see the chariots of fire. He didn't see them. They were there. But he didn't see them. All he saw was his problems. Turn to Isaiah chapter number 41. All he saw was his problems. All he saw was the, the things that were keeping him from trusting in God. All he saw was what was keeping him from believing in God. 
God opened his eyes and he saw the armies. He saw the multitude. Isaiah chapter number 41. Verse number 9, he said, Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief of men and they said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. If you're here and you're a saved child of God, God has chosen you. And I'm not, I'm not preaching Calvinism. God has chosen you because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. God said He will not walk away from you. He will not run away from you. He will not let you go. He said, fear not, uh, excuse me, fear thou not. I am with thee. Fear thou not. How many times in the Bible does God say fear not? Nobody? How many times in the Bible does God say fear not? How many days are there in a year? 365 times. God says, fear not. Be not thou troubled. Don't worry. Do we worry today? My brother got engaged yesterday evening. We were down there at the camp and Emily and my other sister-in-law was decorating. Bethany said, I'm so nervous. She wasn't the one getting engaged. She wasn't the one popping the question. But she was still nervous. She was anxious. Why? Because there were things going on around her that, that made her anxious, that made her nervous, that made her shake, that made her excited. We were excited because of the things that were around us, not because it was happening to us, but the things that were around us, the environment that we were in. It's easy to praise God in a house full of people that's praising God. It is wonderful to sing praises to Him in a house full of people that's singing praises to Him. It's hard to fear not in a world that's full of fear. It's hard to overcome those things that are around us. It's hard to look past those things and see God. It's hard to ignore those things and see God. It's hard to look at God whenever He says, Fear not. Believe in Me. And then do it. Verse 10, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Through that verse, he says, I will. I will. I will. Through the Bible, he says, I shall. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't think gonna's in there. But it, you get my point. He says, I will. I'm gonna. I shall. It's gonna happen. God didn't say, I might. Maybe I will. He said, if you catch me on the right day. No. That's not in our Bible. God said, I will. I shall. Flip over to 2 Timothy if you would. Like I said, we're going to do a lot of flip-flop. You don't want to turn, I'm going to read them. I'm going to save my books of the Bible real quick and find Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul writing to Timothy here, he said, he said, I'm not going to give you over to a spirit of fear. He said, God won't allow you to have that spirit of fear. What spirit do we have in us? If you're here and say this morning, you have the Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of comfort, a spirit of peace. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God gave it to us. We didn't choose one. He gave it to us. 
And he didn't give us a spirit of fear. So where did the spirit of fear come from? Why are people afraid? Why did Israel back down from Goliath? Why was the, the fiery furnace chosen as a punishment? Why was the den of lies chosen as a punishment? Why was the crucifixion chosen as a punishment? Because it hurt. Because it was something to be feared. Because it was something that people dreaded, didn't want, didn't like anything to do with. God said, I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. He said He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. The spirit of love. And the spirit of a sound mind. Can a child of God still be crazy? If God gave us the spirit of a sound mind, can a child of God still be crazy? Yeah. We can still be crazy. We can still be crazy. Brother Randy said, Amen. We have a preacher that's like that. We can still be a little bit messed up. We can still get a little bit off sometimes, but that's not the spirit that dwells within us. That's our fleshly man that comes down and kind of takes over. We have a spirit that dwells within us that will not allow us to be taken over by fear. If we're subdued by fear, we do it because we did not resist the devil. The Bible says, draw nigh to God and resist the devil. If he says that, that means it is 100% completely and totally possible, right? He wouldn't say resist the devil if we could not resist the devil. Flip over if you would to Psalm chapter number 23. And we're not going to read Joshua chapter number 1. But Joshua told the people, he said, be strong and of good courage. Joshua's mentor told him, be strong and of good courage. Where does all that come from? Joshua was told that and then Joshua went and told the people that. He said, be strong and of good courage. Why? Because of that assurance that we have in the Lord. Because God says, do not fear. Psalm chapter number 23, most of us could probably quote it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Here we go, verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, Though everything happens, though all the world may compass about me, though I may be surrounded, I shall not fear. Though everything happens to me, I will fear no evil. Though the world surrounds me, I'll fear no evil. Though it gets really, really dark outside, I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies every day. He said, go, eat well, and tell them about me. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said, go be a witness. But He prepared opportunities for us to go. He prepared opportunities for us to tell others about Him. Why? Because we want everybody else to have the same peace that we do. We want everybody else to have the same God that we do. We want everybody else to have the same fear not that we do. There's a song, and I don't remember who sings it. It's my kind of a contemporary song. We used to sing in the Bible study sometimes. It was uh, 
whom shall I fear? Uh, I believe in God the Father. I think it's the Creed song by Hillsong. But they say, whom shall I fear over and over and over again? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Psalm chapter number 27 tells us who we shall fear. Flip over there if you would. It's one page in my Bible. Psalm chapter 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though everything else happens, why should I be scared? When I was a kid, I didn't like sleeping dark. I didn't like it not knowing at all. Why? Because whenever you can't see your hand in front of your face, there are very few things that you know that you are aware of. You know what the greatest fear in the whole wide world is? It's not public speaking. That's a close second. The greatest fear in the world is the unknown. Those things that we cannot understand. Those things that we cannot control. Eternity. Faith. Hell. Heaven. Tomorrow. Those things are feared because we don't understand them. Because we can't control them. And yet David here he said, The Lord is my light. My salvation. Whom shall I fear? Nobody. Because God's got it. God sees tomorrow. He knows what's coming. He knows what happened. He's already took care of me tomorrow. He's already done it. He's already paved the way. He's already slayed the dragon. Though everything should happen, though all the world. Verse number 13. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, be of good courage, and He will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Wait, be patient. If we run into a battle without God, we're going to lose. God said, fear not, for I am with you. If we run off and leave God, God's not with us anymore. If we allow the things of this world to distract us and we desert God, God's not with us anymore. He said, wait on me. He said, depend on me. 1 Peter 5 and 7 said, casting all your care upon Him. All of it. We can't cast our care on Him if we get away from God. We can't cast our care on God if we don't pray to God, if we don't read and study His Word, if we don't have a relationship with Him. He said, your problems, give them to me. He said, your troubles, give them to me. Did He say He would fix them all? No. He said He would take care of us through them. Jesus didn't say that he would calm all of our storms. He said he would take care of our ship. That's a paraphrase again. I heard that somewhere and I thought it sounded absolutely great. God didn't tell Paul that the the snake wouldn't hurt him. He said that the venom wouldn't hurt him. The snake bite hurt. He didn't tell us we wouldn't experience trouble. He told us the opposite. He said, you shall come into tribulation." He didn't say that there wouldn't be things in this world that that we needed to be wary of. That we needed to be aware of. I believe that if we ignore the things in this world, that it's going to do us more harm than good. God didn't say not to be aware of the things that are going on. God didn't say not to be careful of the things that are going on. God didn't say, don't wear your seatbelt, I'll take care of you. He said He gave us a sound mind. He gave us sense enough 
to be intelligent, to be smart, to be wary of the things that could hurt us. But at the same time, he said, don't let that fear come between you and me. Don't let that fear stand between you and God. Don't let that fear hinder your relationship. Don't let that fear keep you out of church. Don't let that fear keep you from reading your Bible. Don't let that fear keep you from talking to God. Because God is the only hope that we have. That is it. He's the only way. Flip over, if you would, to Romans in chapter number 8. Romans in chapter number 8. We were in the book of Romans in Sunday school this morning. You can find almost anything you need in the Bible in in the book of Romans. Chapter 8, it tells us how long God is going to be with us, how long He's going to take care of us, exactly what can stand between us and God. You know that God won't turn us loose for anything, but we can turn Him loose and run away. Whenever you're holding hands with somebody, you can hold their hand, but if they turn you loose, they're going to slip out of your hand. God's got us by the hand. But if we turn Him loose, He's not going to grab us with the other hand. If we run from Him, He's he's not going to reach out there and grab us. We were talking. We were talking yesterday. It's very, very easy to get experience in things in this life. When it comes to working, farming, eating, whatever it is, it's easy to get experience. The only thing you have to do to gain knowledge and experiences in this life is mess up. It's true. You eat 26 pancakes with whipped topping and chocolate chips and syrup on all of them. And you learn that you're not supposed to eat 26 pancakes. Right? That makes sense. If we run away from God, if we step out from God, if we allow the things of this world to get between us and God, we're going to earn that experience. But it's always going to be the hard way. It's always going to be through the stomach ache. You're going to learn not to jump off that rock by the scars you get whenever you fall. You're going to learn that a trash bag ain't a parachute. Don't jump off the house. You're going to learn when your leg is in a cast for the rest of the summer. You're going to learn that Push Tap Creek is really, really cold. July and November. But you learn whenever you jump in and your teeth start chattering. You learn from messing up. You learn from those bought mistakes. God said he'll never forsake us. I'm persuaded, verse 38. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God loves us. God takes care of us. God said, fear not. God said, there are more with us than there are with them. So whom shall we fear? There's an old punchline. I don't remember what cartoon it's from. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You know the scariest thing in each and one of our lives is us. None of these things that is listed here can separate us from the love of God, but we can separate ourselves. We can mess it up ourselves. We've talked about the little book that says, Who controls your future? You open it up and there's a mirror. We can mess ourselves up. We can allow fear to get in our life and, and tear us apart. There are two things that I find in this life that we should be afraid of. Fear is used several different ways in the Bible. Fear of God is a respect, is a reverence. But the other fear is to be afraid. If you're here and unsaved this morning, you should be afraid. 
God is protecting you right now because you're still alive. God is protecting you because you have another opportunity to believe in His Son, Jesus, as your Savior. But you should be afraid. You should be afraid of death. You should be afraid of hell. You should be afraid of judgment. If you die without Christ, all of those things will come to pass. Let's turn over and read it. Mark in, oh, I think it's chapter 14. Matthew, Mark, there we go. Oh, definitely not 14. Here we go. Mark in chapter 9. Mark in chapter 9, he said, If your eye offends, you pluck it out. If your hand, cut it off. If your foot, cut it off. He said, It's better for a man to enter into life main than having two hands that go into hell, into a fire that is not quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He says that over and over and over again. Why? Because that is something that, that those who are lost and without Christ needs to be afraid of. He said it's better for you to cut your hand off. He said it's better for you to pull your eye out than to, than to go through life with all of these amenities and to die lost. He said it's better. It's back in verse oh, 35, 37. He said it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck than to offend these little children and keep them little children from church, to keep them from God. Those are things that we should be truly afraid of. We should be afraid of our loved ones dying lost. We should be afraid of hindering the kids from, from seeing the salvation of God. We should be afraid of offending someone who wouldn't come back to church. We should be afraid of not being that witness to our lost family members who need Christ. That's what we should be afraid of. We shouldn't be afraid of the things in this world. God's got them. We should be afraid of our own choices, of our own decisions. Because if I don't teach my family, if I don't teach my kids the Word of God, I fail. If I don't bring them to church, I fail. If I don't teach them God's Word, I fail. School starting back, roughly teachers get your kids for six, seven hours a day, 183 days a week, uh, a year. 103 days, 183 days a year, they get your kids for one or two hours a day. They can have an impact on your kids. All the rest of the time, it's on you. All the rest of the time, it's on me. All the rest of the time, it is on parents and it's on friends and it's on families to teach the Word of God. Because they're getting taught out in this world. Are we teaching them? We should be afraid not to. Are we neglecting God's Word? We should be terrified of that. Do we have family members that are bound for hell? That are going to scream in hell for all of eternity. Scream and holler in pain that we cannot imagine. Because they didn't believe on Jesus whenever they had time and opportunity. If you're here and lost this morning, God has been extremely merciful to you. And I don't know who you are. I don't know the situations that you're in. I don't know how long God's been dealing with you. I don't know how long God is going to deal with you. But if you're here and unsaved this morning, God has been so good to you because He's gave you today as an opportunity to believe in Jesus. He may not give you tomorrow. He may not give you tonight. He may not give you lunchtime. But He's giving you right now. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If your hand's holding you back, cut it off. 
If something in this world's holding you back, get rid of it. Because nothing in this world is worth dying and going to hell for. Nothing in this world is worth dying and spending an eternity separated from friends, from loved ones, from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing is worth that. John 3 and 16 says, Whosoever shall believe. Whosoever believeth in Him. If you're here and unsaved this morning, if you believe on the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior, God, for Jesus' sake, is Savior. Just that easy, just that simple. It don't get hard. You, you don't repeat a prayer. It's not through baptism. It's not through working. It's not through asking everybody to pray for you. It is through you believing in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins. That Jesus Christ was crucified for your sins. If you'll believe that He rose from the grave for your sins, God, for Jesus' sake, is Savior. I will have a verse of a song.